Hello everyone, welcome back to the Early Education Show. We're here with episode 66. I'm Liam. I'm Lisa. And I'm Leanne. And welcome back everyone. And Leanne, how's the how's how's the the tooth? We we did let all the listeners know. We're sure you'd be very happy with us letting all the listeners know that you had some uh, some emergency dental work last week. Are you, yeah. are you fighting fit again now? As a matter of fact, I knew that, Liam, because I listened to you and Lisa on my way home tonight. So oh, lovely. I did that great show. Well done. <laughs> well done. Well, it's good to have you back. So we uh, will be discussing tonight, um, we'll be asking the question, uh, what would a Labor government do with early education policy? We we're, we're, we're definitely less than a year away from, from an election, and it may be this year and it may be next year, but, you know, the, the polls are very tight. It seems, uh, you know, a bit 50-50 whether the next government could be led by Malcolm Turnbull or Bill Shorten, assuming, you know, we don't have three prime ministers in between either of those two. Uh, so it's probably a good time now, given the Labor have released a draft consultation on their policy platform, to maybe ask the question, uh, what would Labor do with early education? I guess what, what will they do and maybe what should they do? But that'll be our discussion um, after a quick look at the news and also a couple of exciting announcements. So we are pretty chuffed and excited to say, well, actually, the show in, in a couple of different forms will be sort of hitting the road in the next uh, month or two. So uh, first up, Lisa will be representing the podcast uh, at the Victorian uh, Government's Early Childhood Forum uh, with the title Realising the Potential. So, uh, Lisa, you must be looking forward to heading out and doing the work of three podcast hosts on your own. <laughs> uh, look, I'm not really. All I'm doing is going to be interviewing all the fascinating people that will be talking at it and maybe some of the participants as well. And then we'll bundle that up and do it as a special podcast. And it's really exciting because it's something that the Victorian government is putting on for their sector. So that's really important. It's got lots of really interesting people talking at it. And I think, and some international speakers as well. And I think it'll be really interesting for all of our podcast listeners. That sounds great, Lisa. I know we're we're looking we're looking forward to hearing back from your I guess your field reports from the day. And we should say, you know, this is kind of thanks to one of the listeners of the show uh, who reached out to us and and uh, asked us to take part. So we're really grateful uh, to to Ruth Giles, who's um, been a listener from the show from very early on. I know she's been she's been uh, commenting and sending us emails for quite a while. So we really appreciate it. And that's happening eighth uh, of June, I think we said. So we'll probably have those field reports in a, in an episode pretty soon after then um so that's if you're in victoria you can if you're heading to that conference sounds like a fantastic uh, way to spend the day we'll include the link to the to the conference page but if you're sydney based uh, towards the end of july um all three of us hopefully will be actually attending and participating in the social justice and early childhood conference this is uh, the 14th of their of their conferences um they're you know they're incredibly highly regarded in the sector i've been fortunate enough to attend a few of them just as an audience member in the past. And I think actually, Lisa, I might have been on a panel with you a little, a few years ago. Yeah, that was before we podcasted. That was before the dark days. I don't know days. why we were put on a panel together, but we were. I know, maybe that was the, the, and... the secret genesis of the podcast, was appearing on a panel together. <laughs> and years and years ago, um, I can't remember what number number it was, but my action, my advocacy book was launched at one of the original um social justice conferences as well yay back in 2003 or something yes yes there you so go, there you go. <laughs> so that so that's um saturday the 28th of july and we'll be spending about half an hour then and we look if we can if the, the bunch of amateurs that but record 
this the, pod. That the, one's really exciting, Liam, because we're actually doing a live edition of the podcast. Well, as I was conference, but... as I was just about to say, Lisa, this will this will be dependent on the amateurs who produce and uh, and present this podcast being able to oh, effectively I'm sure you'll record be able it to manage it. Yes, it's it's not like I mean, Lisa and Leanne, it's not like you know this very podcast recording tonight took three t- three times to get going because we we couldn't get through the <laughs> our introductions without cracking up. So I'm sure. Are you giving away all the <laughs> I'm sure there will be no professional issues whatsoever. But assuming we can hit record effectively, we will hopefully actually release that as a live episode the, the following Friday. So if you can't make it to the conference, uh, if you're not based in Sydney or just can't make the conference, um, you know, hopefully listen out for those, uh, both the hearing both from the Social Justice Conference and the Realising the Potential Conference uh, in upcoming episodes. Uh, but we, before we get to our main topic for the night, we wanted to um, circle back to something we talked about last week. So our last episode, uh, Lisa and I sort of had a, a quick look at the budget uh, and sort of its impact on early childhood education. Now, as always happens with these budgets, uh, more information sort of comes out. They're very big, thick, um, detailed documents and we talked a little bit about the government's decision to cease funding the National Partnership Agreement for the National Quality Agenda. Uh, we should say we, we found out about that very, very shortly before sitting down to record. And I think we wanted to just circle back and, and take another take another crack at that because we've probably learned a little bit more since then. But also Leanne didn't get a chance to discuss her feelings about it as well. So, you know, Leanne, what, you know, what were your thoughts about hearing about this um, this decision from the government? Um, thank you for giving me a bite of the cherry on this one because, I, as I said, I was listening to the two of you have a discussion and you were prevaricating, actually, because obviously you were just opening the budget papers as, as, as your <laughs> podcast. But, um, yeah, I agree that it's a this is a big issue, even if it's vaguely on the agenda and the details not around it, that it's you know, not not going to be in place. I think it is a real concern because I guess when I think about what has facilitated all of the fantastic things in early childhood education over the past years, and I there have been some fantastic things, it has all come out of the National Partnership Agreements. And so I just think that they're fundamental um, to high-quality early childhood education and I, I guess a sort of... Um, bringing all of all governments together to work um, for the rights of children. So yes, I think it's a, a, a tragedy. Yeah, I think you know when, when I thought back to um, our discussion last week, and we sort of we were sort of talking about you know that it's not necessarily about the amount of money that's on offer, and and it is you know it's probably a national partnership agreement that's not entirely clear in terms of exactly what it wants to do. But it was so important about binding the states and territories and the federal government together. Um, but it does seem fairly clear. So it's interesting reading the statements of Jenny McCarkos, who's the Education Minister for Victoria. Um, I haven't been able to read specific stuff from any of the other education ministers. I don't know if they've formally responded, but my, the, in terms of what I've read and heard over the last week, it does seem likely that this will actually have a fairly big impact. The states and territories were, in, were completely shocked by this decision, uh, had no idea it was coming, and that uh, it, it, it's, it's likely to have an impact in terms of what can be provided by the regulatory authorities and we know there's still a huge amount of work they have to do in the transition with so the transition is you know meant to go till 2020 but just in terms of keeping up with the pace of assessment and ratings as new as new services open I, I think this is actually I I think I was I, I heard on the side of not being too dramatic last week but I think it actually may be quite a, a, a fairly terrible and long long affecting decision 
Yeah, because I think if if everybody's having that same conversation about early childhood education, that's the starting point, isn't it? Once once though there's, there's um, the lack of structure to have that conversation, then that's when things start kind of going off in the wrong direction. And it's a big country. It's a very big country. Yeah. Lisa, did you have any more thoughts since we sort of talked about it last week? Oh, look, I'm still struggling to make sense of it. Um, I know that Jenny McCaskis has put out that release. I know that in New South Wales, the state government... um, uh, opposition spokesperson, Shadow Minister, um, Kate Washington has put out a statement. Um, I know that ECA, etc., has put out a statement. But I'm like, there's not much detail around, you know. And I think that possibly some of the um, the push for people. Uh, look, I won't, no, let's just let's just say that I'm still not convinced it's as scary as what it seems. Um, I know some people are going, look, they've only fund, uh, guaranteed funding for a sequel for two years. Does this mean that we're going to move to a system where it will be services that pay for, um, you know, for the whole accreditation system? I know that there's some people that think that what's more likely to happen is that the states will just walk away from a national thing and have their own system. But I think that's a lot harder to do than anyone expects because there's, well, there's too Morrison many things in out, place, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scott Morrison just said it can't be unpicked when he became minister mm. and wanted to get rid of the NQM. Uh, there's too so, much embedded in in the law and the regulations for that to happen but I I guess it's when you know I think the thing is that if you if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck it is a a duck isn't it and as soon as these things start to get mentioned you know that there's something there's some reality behind them and as we know governments do things by stealth so that's I, I guess it's being aware you're being amazingly optimistic Lisa What's yeah, ha- Liam, I, I, what's happened? I'm Is there some agreement? Amazingly optimistic. <laughs> I'm never optimistic. You know that. I suppose I just um, I look at who who's making the noise and what they have to gain out of it or to lose out of it, and to okay. see whether or not it's a major problem. And some of the noises coming from areas where possibly there's motives of their own and I'm not talking about from the politicians I'm talking about from within the sector okay mm, what a vaguely paranoid uh, point to end on Lisa I like it I might have to be <laughs> might have to be a non-recorded discussion later on um, <laughs> the only thing I'll add here quickly uh, just to make sure we, we keep up our standards of a, a cynicism and, and be losing any friends we have in the sector is oh, God. 
I have. <laughs> I have very little time for the, you know, the almost, <laughs> the, the the press releases that are coming out for a lot of people professing shock at this decision. And, and I just have, I mean, honestly, if this is the thing that has made you go, well, maybe this government isn't that interested in early childhood education, I don't have a lot of time for you. I mean, anyone who could look at the Jobs for Families legislation and think that this government was serious in any way about quality outcomes for children and managed to convince themselves that that government could be negotiated with and there were possibility of getting positive outcomes. I don't have a lot of time for them suddenly waking up and going, gee, I wonder if this government's not, not maybe the best bet for early education. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think we can leave it there. They've done much that's really good for children, haven't they? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, as long as they get jobs, they're fine. They love children that go out and get jobs. Uh, so And don't come by boats. Or... Exactly, perfect. Um so I think we'll, we'll obviously keep an eye on what we'll... I think we'll... I imagine over the next six months we'll see be seeing probably some announcements from states and territories. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a campaign, particularly from the Labor-held states and territories, to sort of put some pressure on the governor over this. But uh, it, this does not seem to be a thing that, you know, Simon Birmingham is going to budge on. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I think and, we, and just a, a quick flick back to last week where you were um, talking about the signing of the agreements and Lisa, you were saying that you loved seeing the, the actual signatures on those agreements yeah. and I remember that they had to sign it twice in New South Wales because the premiers changed so quickly. <laughs> That's right. they, were, they were dumping leaders the before it was cool. Was, yeah, the draft was signed by one premier and the, the, real, the real thing was signed by another. <laughs> New South Wales always ahead of the curve, dumping leaders before it was cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the only other thing we wanted to direct people to uh, this week, and we won't get into much of a discussion about them specifically, is that uh, there are two new reports available on the sector. One is uh, the uh, the sequels NQF snapshots, which are really sort of great quarterly reports on a range of data on the sector. Um, I don't think we have too much to go into there. It sort of highlights that there's a continued trend of services getting better ratings the second time around, so moving from working towards to meeting, uh, and that there's just, a, I guess, a, a, that this continual increase in the number of services that are being, uh, you know, uh, being owned and operated uh, in the sector, and that's also borne out in the federal. Uh, Department of Education's uh, quarterly report, the Early Childhood and Childcare in Summary report, which comes out every quarter. And it's always about a year behind. So this is for the June quarter last year. And it just sort of, again, highlights more services, more vacancies across the sector in general. Uh, and, uh, and look, it's just good for, for, for a range of data on the sector. So we'll include a link. And uh, if data's your thing, well worth checking out. But I think what we'll do now is... Can oh, I- also, just adding two more news items that I haven't even discussed with you. This is, no, it isn't on our shared Google go. Doc, Lisa. It's you're, you're breaking oh, regulations but here. It happened. It happened though. <laughs> go for it. It's a, it's a really. Simple. I get a feeling that this might be one of those ones. You know, the, the dramatic ones that Lisa used to bring to the table. <laughs> no, it's not that dramatic. But G eight wants to buy Affinity again. So um, for long-running watches of Corporate Watch, um, G8 um, tried to buy Affinity, didn't um, manage to. Affinity was bought out by a private equity firm and um, the, um, uh, the, the, the chairperson, or not the chairperson, one of the board members of G8 is currently being um, taken through the court's by ASIC for what happened in that process. 
Anyway, um, a few years later into the market and Affinity's on the market again and G8 wants to buy it, um, asking prices apparently around $600 million. So that's one corporate watch. And the other corporate watch is that only um, the, the Bain Private Equity, who's the company that owns only about children, has just bought another huge or is... Um, about to buy another. Oh no, I think they have actually bought another. They've huge, done it. Yep. They've done it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a a, a a childcare company called Little Learning and school. It's about, Is it Little Learning School? Is that what no, it's called? Yeah, Little Learning just, School. Hmm. Yeah, and they own twenty centres. So that just and they're going to bring them into the, I think into the only about um, children brand. So or at least under that hat. But it just shows once again how interesting um, uh, yeah, uh, Australian education and care system services are to these private e- multinational private equity firms. Mm. Can, I, can I put you on the spot, Lisa? If, if uh, um, G8 acquired Affinity, how many services would that take them to, roughly? Keep those numbers in my head. Hey, if you're um, gonna if you're gonna shock us with ran, with sudden news items, you're gonna have to be kept on your feet. I think G8 no. have about 400, don't they? Affinity were about 150. Uh, very no, rough I numbers. Think, I think G8's got much more than that. Um, they'd be. I, able, I think they'd they'd roughly be pretty close to good start, though, wouldn't they? In terms of about that 600, 600, 700 mark. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I. Can't, I no, that's I can't all right. Remember, one of the reasons is because G8 has a lot of theirs under different brands, unlike like Good Start. You just have to look up Good Start to find out how many they've got. G8's got a million different brands, and so you've got to look up each of those. But they've just got a million different trading names, haven't they? Because they, yeah. they often keep the same trading, the business keeps the same trading name. Hmm. But I promise I will do my homework and tell you how many that they'll that they'll have, um, you know, that they have by next week. Right. Great. Is that acceptable? That's acceptable, Lisa. Mm. We will be holding mm. you to that. Uh, so we will take a quick break and then we'll be back with a discussion uh, around the Labor government's policy platform and our thoughts on what they might or should do in early education should they form government. So stay with us. Welcome back. So uh, we've obviously spent the hey, last... Hey, Liam, yeah. I did my homework really quickly. <laughs> that was very quick. Break. Whoa. Yeah. I'm so, glad, I'm so glad we took that hour and a half break. <laughs> that week went so fast. <laughs> G8's got 495 and, and Affinity's got 120 services. Oh. oh, so I was pretty close. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Affinity's got 160. God, I don't can't even do my homework right. So 160 plus 495 so that would be 655. is 655. Mm. I think that yeah. would. I think Good Start's basically at almost exactly that number. I think it might just edge them out of Good Start, which is largely symbolic. But that would mean we move from our largest provider being not for profit to our largest provider being for profit. Mm, scary, isn't it? Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well. 
we are going to move on to our main topic for the night, unless Lisa's got any more homework she wants to present to us. Oh, um, no, nope, uh, all I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> so we've obviously spent the last two weeks talking about the government's budget, and we've probably spent the last two years or more uh, outlining our concerns over the current Conservative government's uh, policies and approaches to early childhood education. Uh, given, you know, probably, and we sort of talked about this last week, is one of the ways to think about the cuts to the national quality agenda funding is that it can't just be viewed in isolation. It's on the back of endless uncertainty around the National Partnership Agreement for preschool funding. It's on the back of, you know, cutting the the, the BBF funding. So, I think we can be relatively we're relatively safe in saying that the current government um, it probably doesn't align with our views on what is probably the best way to spend money in early childhood education. Really? Uh, we, yeah, the, the shocking really? to listeners, I know, but that that's probably how we're going to have to discuss it. So. It's pr- so- I think what, lab- what listeners would be more shocked about is that we're not exactly aligned with the Labor Party either. I think that may be surprising to people. We might get into that. But I think we, we you know, there has to be an election, you know, probably within the next 12 months. And it may be that, you know, it could even be this year. So there's every chance that the next Prime Minister of Australia could be Bill Shorten leading a Labor government back into, into, into government with, you know, Potentially Amanda Rishworth as the as the education minister. Uh, on top of that, we also know that the the ALP are currently uh, looking at their national policy platform. Uh, so they've released a consultation draft around the kind of policies they want to be taking to the next election and the kind of things they would enact if they were in government. And there's a relatively good section on early childhood there. So this seems, you know, with both of these things happening, it seems like a good time to think about um, asking that question. You know, what would a Labor government do with early education? Policy. So I think we might start just by um, having a look at some of the key statements from the policy platform. So um, it starts off by saying uh, that one of Labor's priorities is early childhood and the best start for every child, that early childhood education and care is a priority for Australia's economic and social interests and a priority for families. Can I just say there is my first annotated note, it might be good to mention children in that first sentence, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll move swiftly along, um, that Australia should expand affordable, high-quality, integrated early learning and care programs, and that high-quality learning and development experiences in the first five years of life are critical to children's cognitive and non-cognitive development. So we'll obviously include a link to this document and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll sort of find out where people can put it but maybe we might start you know just as a general and and if people want to do a submission it's got to be in by this friday so if you're listening to the podcast on friday you've got a minute or two to send an email to even just a quick one (laughs) just a a tweet just send them a tweet yeah um so we're i think there's particular parts of this document we want to particularly look at and use as a frame to discuss our general thoughts on labor in government but you know for, for both of you, and I might go to Leanne first. You know, just give us your general thoughts on, you know, where Labor seem to be, where Labor seem to have their thinking on what they're going to do with early education. Well, the good thing is that it gets a mention. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a really positive start. Point um, ten points to Gryffindor. And, and a quick, and a quick, a quick search of the document reveals twenty-seven mentions of early childhood which is good. And children do get a mention further into the document, which is excellent. So that's there. But as a broad kind of approach to early childhood, it's not specific enough. So we, we have some really kind of broad statements. And in a way, this this kind of platform, I think, is, is I think I said to you before we came on, it feels a little bit like 2010 but maybe it feels a little bit more like 2007 or I don't know just it's it's more this kind of motherhood statement around early childhood education and how important it is 
Um, and the, the components are there, but the actual structure that could be used to deliver those components is not there. So there's, there's nothing that really tells us, yes, we can deliver. Are you saying it's the motherhood them. statement? I think that's what I did say, yes. <laughs> yeah. Lisa, what are your thoughts yeah. in general? Yeah, look, I think the same. It's, um, it, there's, you know, like if you read this, uh, there's nothing you could object to, you know. Early childhood education is important for children. It's important for families. It's important for, um, uh, you know, as the basis of education. It's important for disadvantaged children. It's important for disabled children. It's, you know, it, early education is more important than childcare. Costs shouldn't be a barrier, you know, Um but we also recognise the fundamental role that parents and guardians play in a child's education. Yeah, there is absolutely nothing to object to it. It's all absolutely perfectly fine. But what it doesn't say is that the Labor Party is going to actually have early childhood education or childcare as part of their election platform. It will be there, you know, as part of this huge motherhood document, but it doesn't say it will be one of the issues that it will be fighting the election on. And it's only when we kind of get into that sort of space that we can actually get real policy changes happening. So do we think there's anything here that suggests that Labor are thinking... Because I guess the other the other thing to think about here is Labor undertook last year, you know, a pretty well relatively significant consultation process, which we submitted an audio submission to. Uh, I, I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head, but there was this big idea that um, I can remember episode eight, where I went to the press club and heard Kate Ellis, the shadow minister at the time, say that we needed to have a serious talk about unscrambling the egg of early childhood education, really taking a look at big picture structural reform. Is there anything here that suggests that's still their thinking? And spoiler alert, I think my answer is no. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. But I, I think, I guess what I'm seeing is that the themes are the same. So, so thematically, there's that, but there's nothing to say we'll we'll restructure. But why, why would they? Well, I mean. I guess I can answer that in a couple of ways. One, I mean, let's can I have a can I have a politically naive moment for a second and say one is the right thing to do. Now, yes, I will, I will then put on my political pragmatic hat, which is they they kind of committed to going through a fairly extensive consultation process. Now, look, I know Kate Ellis is no longer there. The commitment was that Amanda Rishworth would continue that process. So. There's nothing here that, I think you're right, Leanne, there's nothing here that's radically different to what they were proposing in 2007 and 2010. So why go through this process of saying, look, we we actually want to tackle these significant issues? And Kate Ellis seemed genuine at the National Press Club. She was identifying really significant issues. She was admitting she didn't have the answers, but saying they wanted to go through that process of identifying them. So we're here in now 2016, and we there's nothing here that really says to me that, wow, we figured out what some of the key problems are, and here are some big picture solutions. I've, I've lost track of what um, year that press club speech it happened. It was 2015, so, yeah, it was a while ago. So and the consultation, no, yeah, no, 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 it was. It was, it was this is, look, this is embarrassing. I know it was because it was episode eight and that was, we started, oh, sorry, 20, no, no, sorry, you're right, 2016. So it was in 2016 and the consultation process happened in 2017. So it was, you know, almost two years ago. 
and we had had a we'd had all the recommendations from the um, the productivity inquiry. So all the recommendations had been made, hadn't they? Yep. We we had the first part of the jobs for families packet. Yeah. Okay. The jobs for families. So I'm still trying to understand the motivation. I remember, I, I remember all of the unscrambling of the egg, but I'm still trying to remember what the motivation for that was. I mean, I'm thinking back at the times so I was there. My thinking at the time was that primarily it was around probably I think Labor trying to start and win the conversation on three-year-old preschool. So that seemed to me like a bit of a okay. a commitment that wasn't a commitment to say Labor's going to seriously look at three-year-old preschool. And to be fair, they took something along those lines to the last election. So that would be 20, uh, 2016. But again, with no real sort of concrete steps down, you know, how that would be done. But I... Again, I might have to put the, the, the naivety hat back on. I wonder what a naivety hat would look like. I might have, you know, listeners, send it in on a postcard if you can. I actually think Kate Ellis was genuine at the time of going, this is a really, really difficult issue, or a range, sorry, a range of difficult issues we're facing. I'm not coming here saying that, you know, we have every solution and the government has got everything wrong. Can we at least start the conversation around around doing something about it? And it just seems like that conversation kind of, petered out and what we have you know i'm looking at in front of me on my computer screen doesn't seem to indicate that labor have done a huge amount of behind the scenes policy work on really looking at yeah that that the phrase catalyst use unscrambling the egg and i don't want to get i feel like i've now bogged down this conversation on on getting down on the document there are really great things in the document and i'm going to turn to you both in a minute to highlight a particular point that you wanted to to sort of to to, uh, to to pull out and, and have a discussion about why we think it's positive and should happen. But um, do we... Liam, I think that there is one possibility in that it would, you know, like the whole of the document, not just the early edu- childhood education um, section, is very much motherhood sort of statements. But I think it also depends on what actually happens after the rollout of the new... Um, childcare payment, if it takes the heat out of parents saying childcare is too expensive and not available enough, then why would the ALP put it as part of their policy, as a vital part of their policy platform? It'd be there, but they wouldn't actually campaign on it. If, on the other hand, the um, childcare subsidy comes in and everyone goes, well, that didn't help much, then they would be in a position to actually um, elevate it within the party and say this is something that might win us votes. So you feel they're just waiting for the sentiment on the new system? Yeah. Yeah, look, I think yep. you're probably right, Lisa. And- when one, the new election is. Yeah, that's right. When that the, would be helpful. Yeah, when the election. I think one of the, Well, and I think that governments um, rarely unpick something that is so uh, thoroughly embedded. Yeah, and look, and I, I think... They, they, I, yeah. I think Amanda Richworth has actually probably been fairly clear that Labor can't unpick that. I don't know if that's been, you know, there's been a specific public statement around that, but this is, this is a huge structural reform. Labor's not going to be able to come in you know, in their first year of government and, and, and get rid of the, the childcare package. That's just not going to happen. And I think we need to be clear, that's not a, that's not a realistic expectation that Labor could do that. But, that but um, but you know, I think I, I, we need I to look at, do they agree with that, with that, you know, that approach in general? I don't see anything really here about trying to disconnect 
you know, the work activity test from children's access to, to early education. Mm. And, and I think as, as a, a standalone sort of only measure that is being made by the government to make any change to the early childhood landscape, this does not, we've made the point that it does not sit as any kind of major reform, really, for early childhood education. If there were so many other things that were hanging off the side of that that were making up for some of the the difficulties in that, then we'd probably be a little bit more interested, I suppose. And maybe this policy platform represents a few other initiatives but nothing specific enough that we can put our finger on and say, yeah, that, that's going to make the difference or that's, that's going to give us structural reform in order for these differences to be made. I think that was a very complicated way of saying that the standalone Jobs for Families package is never going to do it and it's going to have to have a whole lot of other stuff uh, should Labor take government. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move away from the big picture discussion. I might turn to to Lisa first to say, Lisa, you know, bring out one or two you know points from this platform that you think are, are you know good, bad, worthy of discussion. What are the things that you particularly stand out for you here? Um. Okay. I think one of the things that is really good is that they've in point number thirty of it. They've said that Labor will support the professional development of early childhood educators. They'll maintain minimum qualifications for educators, support child-to-staff ratios that enable educators to develop secure attachments with children, and a few other things that Leanne will touch on there. But basically what they're saying, and they've said it in full in the the, um, statement above, Labor will continue the implementation of the National Quality Framework and continue to review quality measures based on the latest available evidence and data. So I think that, you know, um, uh, what they're saying is that as well as ensuring childcare is accessible and affordable, they're also going to make sure that it's of high quality. And I reckon that's pretty good. That is good. That's excellent. Because it, the I, – sorry, Liam, am I allowed to jump in and say something at this point? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just on that on that particular issue because it, it caused me to think about other countries that have tackled their early childhood education and they've started with affordability rather than quality. And I, I think I have said this before, but the fact that we've started with quality, we can't afford it, but there is a, a focus on quality – actually um, bodes well for any kind of early childhood education system because quite often governments start with the affordability issue and the quality is not good enough for children. So the fact that this is, you know, still a focus is excellent. Absolutely. And I think there's an opportunity here for for Labor. So, you know, the government's, um, you know, has has allowed a huge amount of uncertainty around uh, the the National Partnership Agreement for Preschool Funding and now the cut to the National Quality Agenda. I think it's a huge opportunity here for Labor to 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 say we will you know we, we see these things as integral to the National Quality Framework um, and the National Quality Agenda in in a wider sense than that we will you know we'll, we'll specifically commit to these specific programs continuing um, for the long term. Yes, <laughs> excellent. All right, mm. Le- Leanne, what did what did you want to highlight for us? Um, well, I've, I was going to focus on the workforce issues and it talks about um, within the platform that there 
that there needs to be quality training for educators which meets strict quality controls. And that speaks to um, an issue that we have highlighted so many times around RTOs and also about the quality of qualifications. So there needs to be a very structured plan around that and obviously not putting all um, qualifications out to the market either because, um, you know, this is where we've run into problems with with the uh, dodgy RTOs uh, rotting the system and doing those things. So that, that quality training one is very important there. It also talks about um, enterprise bargaining and the issue around um, reasonable wages for early childhood educators. And I think that this connection where uh, wages is always connected to the cost of childcare um, or the cost of early childhood education, wherever there's an increase in the salaries for the workforce, that means that there has to be an increase in the uh, fees for families. And this alludes to breaking that connection, but again, it doesn't actually lay any um, proposed solution for that of how that would be um, how that would be put in place. And the other point about the professional development, which Lisa already spoke about, because the sector does need ongoing professional development, absolutely. But the problem is that obviously none of this is costed and it is just a platform. And it, it always comes down to the argument around who pays. So all of the, I think everybody agrees that early childhood education is good, it's important, um, but how how is all of this going to work structurally and yeah, how will well, it be paid for? You know what for? we do? We then go back to Kate Ellis's point about unscrambling the egg where she pointed out that, you know, this is, and like I was struck with this and you looking at the budget about how much we actually spend on it. So, you know, it's around, you know, she said $40 billion. I think it's gone down a little bit since then. But, you know, let's say it's $38 billion over four years. So, you know, $10 billion a year, I think we're down to $8 billion maybe a year. That's more, that's huge amounts of money, you know. But what, what is it spent on? Well, it's spent on subsidising parents. And if so it it's not. So it's, that, so it's not. Yes, it, that's right. It's not spent on early childhood education. It's spent on welfare. That's how it's, it's viewed as welfare well, spending. Well, well, it's it's spent on something in the guise of early childhood education, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, well, it's spent on a. It's a, it's. I, I wish we could look at it more as a workforce, but that is just a workforce development. Um, cost. That's all that is, <laughs> basically. Yeah. It's not being spent on early childhood education. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I'm glad you highlighted the workforce, the stuff there, Leanne, because I think that is, you know, that's, again, another thing that Labor could really be be hammering the government on. So the government has allowed the the Long Day Care Professional Development Fund to lapse. They axed the, the Professional Support Coordinator funding. They have, you know, not responded, you know, in a particularly helpful way to the Fair Work case. Um, and they've allowed the, the, the National Workforce Strategy to lapse in 2016. They're... Um, you know, again, there are some nice statements here about how important educators were. You know, the government would say roughly probably the same thing. But again, you know, it'd be good to see some actual, um, you know, 
some commitments around you know we will we will we will specifically invest in in professional development so it says labor mm-hmm. will support the professional development of early childhood educators yeah. you know what does that what mean? does that mean yeah <laughs> and i think to be fair to labor i think we can say look they did go to the last election with a commitment to professional development funding i think th- this is probably entirely wrong but off the top of my head i think it was something like you know fifty thousand um for professional development funding for the sector um, the other big missing thing here, though, is, is is wages. I think, Leanne, you know, going back to what you said before, it's, it's I think you that's a very generous read that they're even alluding to to sorting out, you know, the enterprise bargaining problem. I mean, the, all the paragraph does is identify it's a problem. It does it doesn't say anything about what they're going to do about it, mm, or that. Yes. I think it's a pretty generous read to say they're even really alluding to it. And and this is particularly disappointing given that Labor, for all the faults of the early years quality fund. At least they they had a policy and they tried to implement something. You know this this goes back to even before before that time. You know it seems like Labor could at least have you know some sort of commitment to working through what. Do you, and I first acknowledge this is a complicated problem to solve. The government doesn't directly employ early childhood educators, but to to not go a step beyond what they're saying here and say, look, we will, you know, we can't fix this problem, but we will, you know, work really hard to develop a policy that will ensure, you know, wages rise for educators. Seems like something that's in between the, the vague statement they have here and a concrete policy. Yeah, and, and how good would it be to just see any policy that comes out from any party so that everybody was talking the same talk is that they that there will be a fully funded early childhood education for every child. So whatever that cost... Oh, Leanne, Whatever it costs. I'm passing you the political naivety hat, Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, there's so many different like programs for this and programs for that. Little bits of money get that get thrown out. But wouldn't it be amazing if we just went, okay, no more of those little bits of money. All we're going to do is we're just going to fund high quality early childhood education. And every child has access to that from the age of at least three. Hmm. Well, that look might be... I think if you do that, then you guarantee that there will always be a different childcare and early education system. And I think it's dangerous. Yeah, well, why don't we? Why don't we? Well, why don't we use that as a segue? And you can, you can, you can continue this point, Leanne, because I think what we'd like to do now is maybe turn to. Um, Moving away from the policy platform and what's sort of in front of us in this in this document is, and it's always always a bad idea to get into the prediction business, but we're going to try it briefly tonight. Is, you know, if we can maybe start with you, Leanne, and you can continue the point you were making, and then you, Lisa, you know what, you know what's something that you think Labor will or should, you know, implement if they take if they take power, if they become the next government and Bill Shorten's the next Prime Minister, Amanda Rishworth the next Education Minister, what do you think Labor's likely to to implement and tackle, whether it's in this policy platform or not? Um, what do uh, well? I think that there'll be a lot of agitation within the party for the sorts of um, sprinklings of things that we're seeing here. So trying to achieve, you know, continue with the framework that's there. Obviously, continue with the subsidy system because that's already going to be laid down. But possibly look at workforce more comprehensively and um, consider what it would take to have a better paid workforce and highly trained as well with with funded training. So I suppose that they would be, I mean, I think traditionally um, Labor looks at workforce and I think that that would be probably their focus. 
Mm, that would be a good focus. I think that might come down to just a professional development program. But, you know, at the moment, even if that gets off the ground, I think that would be a, a good start. Mm. Yeah. Lisa, what are you, what are you, um, what are you putting on your magic, uh, putting on your, or looking into your crystal ball, what do you think Labor's likely to, to take a crack at? Look, I really think it, it depends, you know, on what happens if, if the, the policy imperative to do something about the cost of education and care goes off because of the childcare subsidy program, then I think that they're more likely to look at accessibility. So looking at supply and demand, and that includes supply and demand for different groups within society different population groups so targeting vulnerable children particularly or yeah so they'd say you know what do we have to do to ensure all aboriginal children get uh, access to early education what do we have to do to ensure that every child with a disability gets the early intervention program that they need you know Hmm. well time's up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no time frames and questions i think um yeah I agree with both of you i think the thing i would add is i think um i think there will be some sort of move towards uh, looking at three-year-old preschool i think it's going to be pretty challenging for labor given the way they talked on this issue to not move move on this something and look they may push it off and say look we'll roll it out over you know five years or we'll look at implementing you know after the next election but i think i I think it'll it'll be there'll be it'll be a bit cheeky of Labor given how they've they've pushed this issue in one form or another for a few years now to not you know make some sort of announcement that they're going to be looking at doing this. I think it's interesting that the um, that the national conference is in July. So if yeah, this is the ALP National uh, Party conference. conference. Yeah, um, it's in Adelaide in, sometime in July, and I think that if the um, if something terrible happens with the childcare subsidy, if the software isn't ready on time, et cetera, or if money stops going to the right people, or if people suddenly realise that they're not getting as much funded education care because of the um, activity test, then I think this could be a higher priority. And the whole area of early education, childcare could be a higher priority for the ALP. Mm. Lots of things for them to think about. So I think we'll wrap up the discussion there. We'll uh, so the the conference will be in July. We probably get an idea of what the final policy platform will look like after that, and we may circle back to see if they've um, taken on board our hopefully constructive feedback um, after my spending fifteen minutes winching about it for the first part of the discussion. Um, we spent a bit of time on this topic tonight, so I think we will we'll leave it there and we'll be back with our normal recommendations uh, next week. Uh, but just a reminder, again, you can uh, see Lisa at the Victorian uh, Realising Our Potential conference. We'll include a link to that one uh, on the 8th of June if you're in Victoria. And then hopefully all three of us at the Social Justice and Early Conference Social justice and you can't chart. actually see me there. I'm not presenting. I'll just be running around with a microphone. You will, you will, you'll, you will be there, sort of scurrying around, putting microphones in people's faces. So people, but people yes. don't know what I look like, Liam. They don't even know what I talk like. <laughs> we'll give no, you a big shirt they, that they, says "I'm Lisa yeah. from the podcast." Can you put out an all points bulletin with a headshot of um, Lisa, <laughs> Liam? 
No. <laughs> I've, I've, I think it's it's well past time we should have shirts for the podcast, some sort of uniform. Oh, so I think we yeah. can just put Lisa's face on one saying, I'm Lisa from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> ask, me, ask me about my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can, yes, you can catch all three of us at the Social Justice and Early uh, Childhood Conference. Well, we haven't told them that yet, well, you? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, if we initially told them it would be two of us, but now it'll be all three. So that's fine. Look, they'll listen <laughs> to this podcast. That's we all the notice they need. Too. We hope there's an extra cup of tea available and an extra biscuit. <laughs> uh, so uh, that'll be on the 28th of July. So if you're in Sydney, uh, we, we'd love to, to see some of the listeners there. And another good reminder, saying if you get a chance you know, to rate and review the podcast or support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash early edgy show, that helps us do more of these things where we can send people to, to conferences and record and, and, and release them as live shows. So we're very grateful for everyone's support. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this week. We'll be back next week. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And from me. And from me. You have been listening to The Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Leah McNicholas and produced by Leah McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com and while you're there, it would be great if you could hit the Support the Show tab where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyeduShow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username earlyeduShow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.